thanks everyone for joining me again. Uh, Dr. Orlando Walters um, from the OWL podcast. And I have uh, Eddie here. Uh, he's in the, uh, the mental health uh, realm and um, he's really kind of bestowing upon myself and, and others some really interesting information. But um, I'll allow him to introduce himself, what he does, and uh, we can go from there. So, yeah, my name is Eddie. It's super simple. I, I keep the introduction simple. I'm a PMHMP, which is just a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. I deal with basically all spectrums of, of, the, of the mental health universe, right, as you want to call it. Uh, I mostly specialize in adolescents and middle age. So that whole spectrum from five to 60, but I go as high as, you know, geriatrics, I guess you would say. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Now, um, I, I know we were chatting uh, earlier, and I really wanted to kind of delve into um, uh, pre, um, during, and post-COVID, uh, because you brought up some, some mm-hmm. really good points in terms of the, the thought process of individuals prior to COVID, um, how they handle COVID, and then post-COVID. For sure. So yeah. the, the, what would you say is the common denominator in terms of individuals and their, frame, their frames of mind? prior to the COVID? I think we, and I'm going to speak about Florida, but this can translate to so many other cities in in the United States. I think we live such busy lives that keep us, keep us almost, it's like the hamster, right? It's it's in this this constant wheel that's just rotating, rotating, rotating. We're all, we're very routine-based creatures. And our routines keep us busy from our thoughts. And it is, it is in those individuals that sometimes don't have hobbies or maybe their jobs are not as demanding. Again, it can happen to everybody that they become self-aware of what's going on internally. Yeah. But pre-COVID, we were all busy. We all, we all, you know, we're, it was a, it was a tough time, right? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about like 2018, 2019, right? Politically, it was a busy time. The world was changing. Uh I think you starting to see that uh, that influx of career based, you know, but we weren't very aware of mental health. I think mental health is, even though it's been around, if you see the changes that it's taken, it's it's night and day. Uh, and I'm I'm speaking from the DSM five, which is what we used to uh, to diagnose. Uh, even from DSM four to DSM five, the diseases stayed the same, but the way that we defined them changed because we're becoming more self-aware of of what like mental health is. So pre-COVID, yeah, I think we were just really busy with work to, to simplify it, right? I don't want to use too much like, you know, uh, we'll keep it layman's terms. We're really busy with the careers. Uh, as far as humans, we live in a society where everything is on, on the go, right? Especially Miami, we're, we're, sure. we're always on the go. Uh, we deal with, yeah, we deal with anxiety. We deal with with the pressures of work, family, life, social, economic, uh, friends. But I think for the most part, again, busy is, the, I know it sounds very, you know, it's a very generic word, but busy is, is the right word to use. We're, we're, we're creatures that we're busy. So we need to stay busy and we need to have something to focus on. Correct. It is when we're not yeah, actually, yes and no. Let, let me let me refrain from saying yes. Uh, yes and no. We need to stay busy. We need to have hobbies. We need to have leisure time, but we also need to be aware of who we are. And it goes back to what we have we had spoken before. We need to be aware of who we are as humans and who we are as internally. Because while all these things can be good, they could also be seen as distractions. And it's once you become self-aware of who you are, and that's why most people will tell you that their thoughts at night are the right are the strongest. 
because at night it's when we're trying to fall asleep or we're trying to shut down, but there's no distractions. At least we, we shouldn't have distractions. But that's when we start to think, hey, how was my day? Let's let's recollect, right? Let's. How was my day? How was this conversation that I had? Oh, maybe I should have said this. Oh, did I pay my bills? Did I do this? And that all comes during leisure time. It doesn't come when you're at work. Very few times you're going to be busy with a, with a client or a patient or, or if you're an accountant doing numbers, you're going to be thinking, oh, did I do this? Or No, it's, 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 it's at the... It's like when you're at Zen. So when you before you go to sleep, you're always thinking about these things. And I think that's what COVID brought to us. It brought a time where we had to really sit in front of our thoughts because we're for the most part, most people were alone. Right. And most most of us don't know how to be alone. Think about it. Relationship wise, we don't know how to be alone. Uh, we are we have friends. Most people have friends. If we don't have friends, what are we saying? Like as loners, right? It's not, it's not too, you know, it's frowned upon. Our relationship wise, society tells us that we need to have partners because we're, you know, we have to procreate or, you know, we have to have partners. If we don't have partners, what do we do? We're constantly looking for partners and we force, we force these rela relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, and we could even expand on like, that's why divorce rates are so high and all these other things, right? right. And, and as family, right? We're we're fa we're family we're family pods. We have pods, and we're we're really into our families, right? So COVID pulled all that away. Now we're just it's just us. Even even if you lived in a in a single family house right. or you lived with, with you know with roommates and things, you're still alone because it forced us to split. We had to you know be in our rooms by ourselves. Especially we got sick. Uh, even at hospital settings, you, you're you're, you know, you're, you're, you're by yourself. It's so when you're alone and I could speak for myself, it is when you have to be, when you have to think about all these thoughts that you think before you go to bed. Uh. So w one thing I did notice is like during the COVID time, you know, like you said, we're also, you know, we're a lot more alone, um, you know, because people who are working, they were no longer mm -hmm. working because you have like your home family and you have your work family, yeah. you know, and then you might have, your hobby family or whatever have you, you know? So now you had none of that. Um, whatever relationships that you did have during that time, whatever it was kind of got magnified. Mm -hmm. you know? If there were any problems, small problems got just blown out of proportion, I would imagine. Um, I, I, I think it, 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 it put a mag, it put a, uh, a microscope on a lot of things in terms of like a, it, socially. It did. No, no I think you, you're using the right terminology there. There, It did put a big magnifying glass on everything. It blew it up. And the minuscule things that maybe we ignored before, we didn't ignore before. Right. Because now there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to go. If we had problems as friends, I could have maybe put, you know, put a blind eye to it before because we did other things. But now we don't have those other things. Right. Now we just have you and me. Now, maybe the little comments, the little jabs that you would make at me as a friend that I didn't like before, but I said, hey, that's my client. That's my, that's my gym buddy. Right. I don't want to lose my gym buddy. I, now we don't have the gym. Now we need to face, hey, I don't like that you speak to me this way. Right? I don't like. The same thing happens in, happened in, in relationships. Partners that now we're kind of forced to live together or we're really not. Now they're just alone. Right. Hey, I don't like that you do this. Now, because we're stuck in a household for 24 hours, right? Right, right? We don't see each other now before for eight, nine hours because we're at work. Yeah. But now we're spending all 24 hours together. Hey, I don't like that you do this. I don't like this and that X, Y, Z. Because think about it. 
from a relationship point of view is you if you work a regular eight to five it's nine hours that you don't see each other if you go to the gym separate at two hours so you're really what together for and you sleep for eight right so what are you really spending you're spending what four three hours together in in terms of quality time quality time and if that true Let's get let's give two hours of yeah. quality time, and you can fake two hours. You can have a good two hours with anybody. <laughs> you fake you can, you can fake a two hours with anybody. True, true. But now you don't have two hours. Now you have 12, 14 hours, and now we have to realize: Hey, are we compatible? True, like really. Like, are we really compatible? Right. Are we not just compatible? Because some, you know, in relationships, people. People want to have relationships. So we are creatures that want to have relationships. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody really wants to be alone. There are moments of that, but I don't think not anyone wants to be alone. But now we have to force it. We have to be like, hey, were we just were we just two good friends or were we just two people that got along and we accepted what we had? And we're like, hey, society's telling us that we gotta be together, be be together. So let's just do it. But COVID brought that out. And COVID said, no, are we compatible? Now, now. In terms of the post-COVID, mm-hmm. what was the what were the big changes that you see that you would see at that point? Post- mm-hmm. Can I, I here's the reason what I say. I'm I'm no psychologist mm-hmm. by any stretch of the Do. imagination, right? But um, I I used to coach basketball mm-hmm. teams, you know, kids in, in, in junior high school and in, in high school, and I noticed there was a difference between all these 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 kids pre. And post, I couldn't put a finger on it. I felt like there was there was just a major disconnect. I, I couldn't put a finger on it, but I'd see them. They were there physically, but I don't think they were there in in, in mind. They were there in body, but not in mind. That's that's a good point that you bring up. Uh, Post COVID war has been extremely interesting, not only from for ourselves as humans, but I think from a healthcare point of view has been completely different because it shook up the shook up hospitals. The way we see, the way we see health nowadays is completely different. If you look at policies from before to now, they've it's flipped them upside down. Yeah. We realized how weak our infrastructure was now as a society. We're talking about hospital systems, right? Our hospital systems were extremely weak. We don't have the, we don't have the workers, we don't. We overworked our workers during COVID. We milked them. We we technically forced a lot. Of, a lot of hospitals were forcing their their workers to work overtime, mandatory overtime, because we just didn't have. Right. We don't. We don't. We don't. It doesn't work. But yeah, post COVID, one thing I've noticed is the amount of anxiety and depression that people have. I think anxiety and, dep- and while anxiety and depression are two of the most common things I think we deal with, it is blatantly obvious now the effects that COVID had. So do you think you think COVID magnified it? It was always there. Do it was always there. It's always there. So it just really brought it to the yes. forefront. Look, I give the example of this is going to be such a random example, but I think it'll make sense. It's back in the day. If you look at charts, that's a real thing. Uh, how many left-handed people there were? If you look at the chart, it goes like very flat, very flat, and out of nowhere, like around the 1980s, 1990s, it just spikes. And then you ask ourselves. Are there more left-handed people now than before? Mm-hmm. What happened? So back in the day, left-handed people were seen as weird, different, the devil. The devil. Yeah, no, right. that's exactly right. It was actually seen as like, you know, from a religious point of view, it was seen as a devil. Right. So nothing changed. Just 
we started normalizing it more. So now we're seeing that peak. It's the same people. And then you're going to see after the spike in left-handed people, it started it neutralized again it because it's, okay. it's leveled out because it's, that's the normal level of it. It's the same thing. It's always been there. We just kept it to ourselves. Uh, we didn't want to tell our neighbors, our friends, our family members, hey, I'm, I'm depressed. I have anxiety. I have panic attacks. We kept it to ourselves because it was what well, it was. It was shunned. I think it was frowned upon. I sure. grew up in the nineties. It's a different time than yours, but you, you, you know, you were there as a kid. I, I was, I had moments of anxiety, depression, and it w- it was something that it was kept hush hush. Definitely. Think about it. We grew up and I, and I think you could relate. Boys don't cry. Right. Boys don't cry. Right. Right. What do men do? Yeah. We tough hold, we tough it out. Yeah. Throw some dirt on it, right? Like, yeah. tough it out. Don't We don't speak about our emotions. That's a feminine trait. Yeah. Yeah. Automatically. And I'm speaking from a male perspective. And women, are, are, are they have their own things to deal with. But from a male perspective, that's what it was. And and also, um, I'm Caribbean. Mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm even, Caribbean also, yeah. Okay, so even, even much more. You know? And I see that, by the way. I see that uh, to this day in the hospital setting where Caribbean men don't speak about their emotions. They don't take medicine. Nope. Medicine is taboo. And they don't even want to go to the doctor. And don't even want to go to the doctor. And usually when I get them, extremely sick, a million comorbidities, and sometimes too late. Yeah, it's too late at that point. It's too late, yeah. It's too late at that point. So, yeah, COVID brought, COVID just, it was always there. Depression, anxiety was always there. But now people really had to go through it. Where before we could mask it with activities, you know, sports, COVID brought it out. That's why we saw an increase in alcoholism, drug use. And also we saw, like I said, an increase in anxiety and depression, right? Because we went went from one day being social and then it turned off the lights. Right. Because it it happened overnight. They said one day here and then the next day the the whole country was closed. Everything was shut down. We had no time to prepare and now we find ourselves alone. And... When you're alone, we all we've all been alone. Right. What is it that you think about? I'm and now I'm asking you. Like for me, mm-hmm. I think about, I think about myself. I think about everything I'm doing, what I'm not doing, uh, anything that I am doing, how to do it better. Um, you know, things like that. And then yeah. you start criticizing yourself. You could have right. done this better, and it just kind of rolls in over and over and over and over. Yeah. And the positive talk is 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 harder to come by, and mm-hmm. it's more negative talk. Correct. You know? I guess we're, we're critical of everything and. Including ourselves, correct, and 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 that is and that is a, a small frame. That's a small window of time that could happen in the shower, or like or like I said, right before you go to sleep. But now you have this twenty four hours, and some not everyone is as adept to deal with their emotions as maybe you, as maybe me. Some of us have better tools. Some of us come from better upbringings. Some of us were taught how to deal with those things, and we're just built differently, right? For sure. But those people that don't know how to deal with them, they got scared. That's that's the best way I could explain. They they were scared because, and also it's the time frame, right? The time frame because you could do it for one day, yeah. but now you got to do it for two years. Yeah. By month three, the negative. Forget the positive talk. The positive talk is no longer there. All you're hearing is the negative talk, and then you're also dealing with stressors. Right, right. Getting External sick. Stressors. Yep. I don't have money. Big one. The, the biggest. Yep. Money, f- financial problems is one of the biggest problems I see. Uh, 
So now I don't have money. How am I going to deal with this? Uh, for young adults, school, school's closing. So now I have to go from an in-person, you know, curriculum to all online. So, so what's, yeah. So it's all these external stressors. And then the fact that we don't know how to deal with them, right. It's, it's, it's repeating that same line, but, and then the deeper you get into this cave, that's, I call it a cave, right? Depression is like a cave. The deeper you crawl into that cave, the harder it is to get out. Right. right? If you, if you've, if you've walked six miles into the cave, yeah, it's it different than when if you walked 400 feet. Because the light at the beginning becomes so much smaller and harder exactly. to find. And you're, and the, that's good. You saw the light in the beginning. Eventually, that light stops. Yeah. And what happens when you don't see light anymore? There's no hope. Yeah. The light is hope. Light is hope. In any single experience, even in caves, light is hope. When you see light, you're like, okay, I have hope of getting out. The moment that light disappears, it's done. Yeah, you're done yeah. we, we lost hope. Not only in ourselves and in, in society. It's COVID is such a unique, like... I've always thought about writing a book about during the COVID times because it's not only what was happening internally but externally, right. uh, and it, it's it was it was layers upon layers upon layers. We were like you said, depression, anxiety, fearful, money. The country was broken, right? We heard so many different points of it views. Was splintered. Yeah, definitely splintered. Think about what was going on during COVID too. We had. We had riots, we had BLM, we had deaths, right? Not to get too political or anything, but it's just what was happening right. at, at the time, right? Sure. And not only from the United States, we also have Europe, right? Italy, Spain closing. We're hearing what's happening over there. China, what's happening over there. Yeah. We're taking all of this information. We're processing it on top of the anxiety that we already have. And we're just crushing it and crushing it. Uh, one of my friends that's a therapist always tells me that you can only stick so much crap under a rug before the rug becomes too big. <laughs> this right? is true. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it becomes too big. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's what happened. And we walked out of COVID and we didn't cling that rug. The problems were already there. You could, it's the same metaphor as a hot air balloon. You pump so much and eventually going to take it. But yeah, the rug is the best metaphor. It's because we left, we found ourselves standing on top of this rug with all these problems or all these feelings, emotions that we didn't know how to deal with before. And it's like, Hey, figure it out now. I, I, it, it's funny you say that. Um, I had a guest, um, his name was Joey, um, uh, fitness guru, really good guy. And he said that what that time frame really did was, uh, he saw, this is the common denominator. He saw, he saw one of two things, individuals, um, in terms of their fitness, they either, dialed in and just really focused on whatever it is to get themselves better, whether it's exercise, activity, diet, so on and so forth, or they just let themselves go and they're 50 pounds heavier, you know, health, you know, their, their numbers all terrible, you know? Um, so I would assume that probably goes a little bit towards the frame of mind on, mm -hmm. and how an individual really kind of approaches situations, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess it'd have to have a certain degree of resiliency, right? Yeah, there is, there's a, with, with mental health, mental health, there is a level of resilience. Some of it are factors that we have no control over because who we are to understand mental health or just in general, who we are as people, it, it doesn't start like an adulthood, right? Like we, our problems are not created during adulthood. They're created at childhood, right? 
there is famous psychology. I'm sure everyone's just gone to school and like knows Fre Freud, right? Like everyone, right? Everyone knows Freud, right? Like trust versus mistrust, ego, right? We all know those basics. And while we studied them in school, we're like, okay, I need to like just learn this and pass. Yeah. But they say a lot about who we are. Our problems stem from childhood, from early. If your mother, right? Like if you were, if you did things and you were criticized instead of being applauded for them, that's going to extend to, to, to young adulthood and, 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 you know, as an adult, right? That's going to extend. You're going to be fearful or critical of what you do of everything, right? So those probably, uh, there's a famous psychologist that says that we wake up as adults on top of this dirt mountain with a pocket, I mean, with a note in our pocket and it says, good luck. <laughs> it says, good luck. Oh man! A shovel in our hand and a note in our pocket that says "Good luck," and then and start digging. And it's because every single problem that we have, again, we create certain problems, but it could extend back all the way to childhood. So, so the relationships that we have with our parents or our caregivers from a, from a very young age, they, they play set the foundation for us. Yes, that foundation can change because our our identity changes as we get older. Uh, we don't hold the same moral values sometimes as our parents, but they create the first moral values. They create the first foundation. Uh, so if our parents, and it's again, parenting is, is hard and unique in itself. Because uh, then, then you also have children who are different have and unique Correct. too. But yes. Yeah. And it's not a one size fits all. For sure. Uh, our parents do our best for the most part. Not Some parents don't. And you turn out how you turn out. Uh, and it's we our parents are not psychologists they're, they're not, right, right exactly they, so they don't even know they don't even know the, the effects that their words their actions can have uh, and it's sometimes very minimal things that can alter our future it can be a comment uh, i i always when i'm seeing a patient i always tell them to to recollect and think of a moment that changed them and I don't want a big moment. I don't want something like, I don't want you failed at something, a divorce, nothing. Tell me a very minuscule moment that you feel like changed you. Like that one time your mom came late or was looking at your yes. phone during, during I'll, I'll, your, your game. One example that I, that, that is, is very blatant. I think a lot of Caribbean families will relate to this is the mom calls and says, Hey, take the meat out of the fridge. <laughs> it's the right. dreaded meat out of right, the fridge. Right, right? right, right. And it's the, it better be thawed once I come home. Right. If right. not, the whooping's coming. There's trouble. There's some trouble. Yeah. And I don't know if you've never put, if you've forgotten to take the yes. meat out. Yes. I have. The moment you hear that door open, that you, you're tense. Yes. What? You feel Yes. Why is that right tense? Ha why is that tense happening? Because you think something bad's gonna happen. Yeah, you ex you're waiting the cause and the effect. Right. You're waiting for the effect now. Right. It's the same thing. Now as we get older, that feeling just translates to another thing. Mom is no longer coming, and and you know it, right. it doesn't matter anymore. But now it's we're hard we're hardwired. No, we're we're fully hardwired at this point. We're fully hardwired, and that feeling, no matter what, will never change. As unless we treat it obviously, but it doesn't change, and it's a very small thing as mom calling you. For me, it was my parents. Uh, I'll talk about myself a little bit. For me, it was my parents going to going to church. Okay. Uh, Sundays, my parents were let's go to church, right? My dad's a pastor, so church was <laughs> so like gotta be, yeah. church was the thing, right? And as I got older, maybe my Sundays I wanted to spend them definitely watching football, you know. And even as an adult, I was an adult already at this point, like in my twenties. I think I was still living at home at that point. 
I would not go to church. And my parents did, they, they wouldn't like complain. They, you know, okay, Eddie's okay. He's not going to church. Even when I would hear the door, I would tense. I know. I promise you, I would turn off the TV like a child. I would turn off my TV, get in my bed, and act like I was sleeping or, or do something. Because that's 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 what I need to do. That is my response. It's it's some of it is trauma, right? right. It's, no, it's, for sure. Some of it is for trauma, sure. but that was my natural response. I did not think of this. It's not like I was. It just naturalistic came to me that the tense happened, the breathing got a little harder, and the, the heart rate went higher, right? And I'm like, I gotta get into bed. I have to to play. The, I have to fake it that I was right. busy, that I was right. doing something because <laughs> what are you doing? But that because that's what I've known to do. Yeah, we carry all that. Now it's just translated differently. Wow. So my question is, I guess the first mm-hmm. thing would be to be able to recognize, to know and acknowledge the fact that there are these things there, mm-hmm. these anxieties or these things that don't seem as if they belong mm-hmm. in you know, what should be happening for a particular moment in time. Knowing is the, is the battle. Right. Uh, any therapist would tell you that once you start being like once you start having that self knowledge is when you could deal with these things before forget about it. Uh, if I always recommend therapy as first line treatment, I never go the pharmaceutical way. Uh, if you don't know how to deal with your, your thoughts, your emotions or what's causing it and medication is not going to solve anything. Medication is Just hides it. Hides it. Yeah. So it, when it comes to the medication, it'll almost, it would almost be the same thing as individuals who self medicate themselves with alcohol and, Correct. And uh, drugs again, and things of that nature. And, and we're speaking very general here, right? Okay. Because there are certain individuals who do require medication. hundred percent. Okay. But if I don't, if you're not taught how to deal with these things, medication can only go so far. Can only go so far. Psychiatry is one of those fields where if you have an infection, I could give you an antibiotic and we fix it. Right. Psychiatry is not like that. I'm not going to fix you with a pill. It, it could take away those feelings. But it's not going to be fixed. If we ever take you off those pills, what's going to happen? It's coming right back. You still got to deal with those emotions, baby. Those right here, we still we have to do. We have to understand. And therapy is great. I always recommend, like I said, therapy because therapy allows you to slow down. That's like the right word, slow down. Explain. Life is. This is my explanation of of life. Life is a big tunnel. We're going down a big tunnel, okay. and they are. Think about you're going down a t- like down a uh, museum. A tunnel, but it's a museum. And there are pictures. You have the Mona Lisa, the, right? Pictures on the sides constantly. But you're running so fast, you don't see the pictures. The therapist says, hey, buddy, slow down. Stop. Look left and right. What are the pictures? It just allows you to see what's going on. Gotcha. So gotcha. We run so fast through life to get to the ending. We want to get to the finish line so fast that we don't look at the journey and we we hide because we're going so fast and the pictures are just our emotions our feelings and we we they're blurs we don't slow down look at the big picture and deal with them all right so all right so let's say for instance we we have an inkling Mm -hmm. something just isn't right Mm -hmm. how do we overcome it how do we get past it how do we push through so there's there's multiple ways right uh, I want people to understand that emotions are warning signs. They're not answers. Okay. Our emotions can lie to us. Emotions are a red light telling you, slow down. Something is going on. 
So you mean even good emotions? Even, even good happiness emotions. and things of that nature? Even good emotions, sorry. They're telling you, hey, slow down. Look at what's around you. What's happening? Think about it like this. If, if you were to drive up to your house right now, right? You're out with your wife or your, or your kids, whatever it is. Your house is empty. You get to your house and you see the lights on and you see people moving inside. What do you feel? There's a problem. There's a problem, a big right? Problem. There's nobody it, should be there. Exactly. There's some level of fear, mm-hmm. anxiousness, right? There's, there's a bunch of bunch of feelings. But what happens now? You walk in and it's your grandmother. Okay. Someone saying, 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 hey, I'm cooking up some food. I want to surprise you, right? I'm <laughs> cooking up some food. What happens? I'm happy. I'm I'm happy and hungry. But is it not the same situation? Yes, it is. It's just speaking. it's just the more knowledge we have on it. Right, right. We process it differently. All the all that fear, all the anxious was just telling you, hey, slow down, analyze the situation, okay. and that's exactly what emotions do to us. It says, hey, slow down, analyze analyze the situation. What's going on? Am I processing it the right way? Because if you're just to react, it's just anxiety. It's just what, what's the first thing that's coming out? Fear, like I said, the same thing. And you, if you react off that emotion, what happens? You hurt your grandmother or right, something, right? Right. And that's just pure reaction. Yeah, it's not the way to do it. That's why people say, hey, don't react off emotions, right? It's a right. slow down, backtrack. It's a warning. It's that red light. It's the the you know the train thing coming down, right? It's, that's what it is. But really process it fully, because some we don't know the whole story, right? And, that, and that's all it's trying to tell you. So we have to be able to account for the entire situation from all angles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we can't see all the angles. It, it doesn't matter seeing all the angles. Yeah, right. Because there's three, three three sets of story. Yeah, no. But you can still see from your point of view, though, okay. right? Uh, and you can make a, a guesstimate. Of how of how we're gonna of how we're gonna process that and how we're gonna deal with it. It's 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 that old saying that we have no control over our lives. The only thing we have control is how we react to it. It's, okay. it's the same way. How are you gonna react to it? So I guess a stoic uh, frame of mind would probably be the best way to kind of approach situations, right? Not Correct. Getting too high, not getting too low, staying. Low when we have these imbalances, and we, and we see that in bipolar. Because uh, people automatically think this is a little skew. This is one of my pet peeves in, in, in psychiatry is the word bipolar gets thrown around so much, right? Uh, where we think bipolar is just like a switch. I'm happy one moment and I'm, and we, we've offset it. We're like, you're bipolar, right? You're happy one moment and then you're like angry or sad the next moment. But it does, it's not that switch. It's that imbalance of emotions. It's, it's a wave, like a, like a sound wave is we have our highs, but if there's a high, there's got to be a low. And that's really bipolarness, but it's the same thing with emotions. We we have to have our highs and, and then we have to have the lows. But there's got to be a balance, though. Uh, most people need to work in the neutral zone is what I call. Okay. Is what I call. The moment you have a high, you can make a mistake. The same thing when you have a low. Uh, your, your, your reactions are completely different. So how do we teach children how to stay as neutral as possible? Children is a completely different thing because children show emotions different than you and me right um and some of it is lack of education from the parents but you can expect parents to you know to be like i said to be experts right an anxious child you and me are are, i mean our depression or right and i mean real depression right because i think people need to realize that sadness and depression are, are two different things and we look at them completely i could be sad because someone passed away but the moment that sadness extends to like a week's period months that's depression right right so but Children express depression differently. You and me might get reclusive, 
We might not want to sleep. We might, we might want to do the things that we enjoy doing. We, our appetite might, you know, might be suppressed. Uh, a child does not know how to process those emotions, so they'll be hyperactive. Completely polar opposite of what we, of what you and me. So when we see those things, we're like, hey, what's what's going on? Because think about a five-year-old that is depressed for whatever reason is depressed. They feel weird because when you we've, when we're depressed, we feel weird inside. It's it's not a good feeling, right? We, right. It's, un, it's it's uncomfortable. Right. It's uncomfortable. A child does not know how to just. I'm just gonna sleep. I'm just gonna. They don't know how to fully verbalize it, nor process it internally, and it's expressed through hyperactivity. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, to have a child that's neutral is, kids will always have balances, because they're, they're kids, right? Mm -hmm. They're kids. Uh, I think the best way uh, when I when I have parents is keeping the child busy. Right. There's, there's, and, and just kind of going, like going through the patterns uh, that the child will go through. Right. Uh, when we're young, we play by ourselves. Then we have parallel playing where we, there could be someone next to us and, but we still play by ourselves. And then eventually we become part of a community and then we play together. It's, so I say keep, keep them busy, keep them around, around people. Like, so sports, I think, is a great thing. Okay. Music, art, all great things. But also being very aware of, of how we speak to our children because those are the little moments that are going to stick with them. Are we overly critical? Right? Are we overly aggressive? Uh, and I'm not saying be a, you know. Par parenting is hard in itself. I'm, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to it. But I can I can, I can tell people how, how to basically maneuver themselves around right okay. so it's being aware let's let's give examples like being aware of how we talk right i think sometimes we when we're parents when we're in in places of power because we have power of our children true. it's easy to just say something just demand or or ask right when we if you're a boss when, you, when you're talking to someone that's under you you sometimes don't think you just say it. yeah yeah it's the same thing with children we just speak we don't think about the everlasting Right. Effectively, right? So just it could be a ripple effect. A hundred percent. It only takes so many times to call your kid stupid before they believe that they're stupid, right? It only takes so much time to tell your kid that they're not good at something before they really start believing it. Especially at an age where they're just absorbing everything. Right, right, right. And that and then you can't blame that child when they're fifteen and they feel like they're not good at school because you told them when they were four that they weren't good. Right. So it's the same way. So verbalizing, speaking, our actions. Are we are we being caring enough? Like, do we hug our kids? Do, do we do we kiss our kids? Do we tell them I love you? I've heard kids say that they've never heard their parents tell them I love you. For kids that don't know how to hug, they said that they've never been hugged, right? And us as humans, we need that touch. We need we, that, we need, we need that we motherly. Gotta... We we need both, right? So that's another problem that like we, again, it's 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 hard not to venture off and talk about other things because we need both parents. We need like we need that right the dynamic of, yeah. of like family. But it's we need that love from mom and dad. We need their, their roles, right? They both play different roles. Single mom could do both roles, excuse me, but you need that that fatherly figure there. So they kind of balance each other out. The mom kind of gives the nurturing, the Correct. sweetness, the loving. Dad kind of gives the structure, the toughness. It uh, gives you that motivation, that drive. Again, both parents could do this, but it's it's harder when it's just one person. It's right. putting a lot of pressure on one person, especially when like, that one person has to work, has no. to cook. Just to maintain the bills. That's the other aspect of, of parenting, right? That, that that we have to bring up. It's a lot of the, a lot of the way we react is because 
of everything that's on top of the parent and it's a trickle down effect, right? We're stressed. The kids are going. Well, to we're stressed at work. When the we all know we don't have enough money for X, Y, and Z, we take it out on our kids because it's an easy target. It's a super easy target. Yeah. So my thing is now, based upon what you were saying before, like with the children, you know, we tell them uh, they're not good in school. Mm-hmm. They're fifteen years old. They think I'm not good. So I'm not mm-hmm. even going to try. And kids who say, "Oh, you can always do it. You're going to mm-hmm. be great." And when they're fifteen, my mom said I could do it. I'm going to be great. So I need mm-hmm. to push and keep trying to be great. It's almost like the words and the energy we put is like fertilizer to kind of fertilize a, yeah. fertilize a, a, a certain right. outcome, a certain kind of thought person or a certain kind of internal speak of mm-hmm. the individual. Internal speak is good. Uh, another thing I tell patients is when you hear that voice in your head, who's talking? Is it your voice or is it your parents? Because a lot of times it's not our voice that we're hearing. Think about the next time you talk to yourself. Uh, who is, who's speaking to me? Is it, is it, is it Eddie? Your voice? You, you know, it, it's funny you say that. Um, as a kid, uh, my mom, my mom would, uh, she'd always, I, like, she'd say it cutesy in a cute way, like, you know, you know, you got brains, you got brains, you know? And I think, I think when you say that, just came to me right now, you know, that was the voice I heard that if I didn't do well on a test, like, I felt like I didn't want to disappoint my mom because she, she knows I could do it. I need to make sure I don't disappoint her, you know? Exactly. So I could definitely see, right. I could only imagine if she if she had said the opposite. Correct. Also think about the reaction. When you fail, how do they react? Because we're we all going to fail. We're never going to pass all our tests, right? Like that's from childhood to adulthood. So how how what is the reaction that your mom gave you? What is the reaction that your parents gave you? What is the reaction that we give to our kids? Because, yes, we, there's a difference between motivating them and wanting to be better because we expect them to be better, just like your mom expected you to be good. But you failed. Let's say you failed. What are we, what are we saying? Are, are we talking, hey, do better next time? It, it's that fine balance, that fine line of I don't want to be too soft, right. but I also can't, hard. I can't be too hard. Because you have to teach the kid to – failure is – you have to – if you don't teach failure to kids, they're – or just in general, if you don't learn what failure is, then you're going to suck because you're never going to, once you fail once, it's gonna be detrimental. you don't know how to get out of it. Right, right, and if right. you're not given the tools to learn how to get out of something, then how can we expect you to do it? True. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No, yeah, we could, we could definitely, right. We could get deep into this, but it, it is what it is. It's all of our problems from adulthood. Not all, again, I, I don't want to speak in, in, in that way, but majority of the problems that we have is, as adults stem from childhood, uh, how were we spoken to? How, you know, we were given the tools as children. Some of us just have more tools than others. So now let's, let's go into the adulthood. Correct. You know, um, a, a lot of times, like we were saying before, we use certain things to kind of help us um, deal with certain situations. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so somebody might have an issue where they might drink. Mm hmm. And, and that's one of those things I could never under, I, I, I could never truly okay. understand, you know, um, individuals would drink to I don't know, feel better. It, it, for, I don't know why it just doesn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. So, you know? okay. So I'm going to try to break this down as, as best as I could. Right. So we'll, we'll use, we'll use alcohol and substance abuse and we're going to put them in the same bubble. Right. Uh, it's just masking, right. It's, it's the best word I could use. It's a mask. Right. So, 
maybe for you it's hard to understand, but let's say someone that wakes up every day and they're just down. They have an imbalance. It happens. We have we have imbalances, right? They're just down. They're always depressed. They feel like, you know, this life is not for them. They've gone through whatever, X, Y, Z. The drinking just makes you forget. That's, that's all it's doing. It's a Band-Aid, but it's just making you forget. It's as simple as it sounds. It just makes you forget. It's instead of them running a marathon, them rock climbing, they just drink. It right. just takes place. Right. Because we could place our our energy into good things true and it's a bad things and it's i think we spoke about it last time where well one thing might be good being like me i'm super um i break down things a lot it's good for my job it might not be good for my personal life right it's the same way with them that passion that drive to be good maybe at a sport or maybe i excel i'm going to use that energy to excel work they just put it on another place and they just they put all their eggs in, in drinking and in drugs or whatever. And it can happen. And also like, and uh, we see it in sex addicts, like it's just, a, it's like a million things that you can right. use. So it's just, it's translation of, of energy of, of emotions and just being displaced somewhere else. That's, that's really all it is. It's just being displaced. So what about, okay. So transition that mm-hmm. into individuals who use, for example, like social media mm-hmm. um, to be able to, I don't know, bring themselves up. Like I, I'll speak yeah. about myself cool. actually, right? So um, when it comes to social media, I look at it for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I post, I, I don't really post that much, but if I post something, I can't live if, you know, I get a couple likes. Oh, that's pretty cool, you know? Uh, but I have to actually tell myself, hey, look, don't yeah. don't, yeah. don't hold on that because that is very faulty ground to set. So the endorphins that we release are... are, are are very similar to, uh, again, uh, to doing drugs, like, again, our brains, like our brain processes is just the same way, right? Uh, so we have like serotonin, GABA, you know, like right. in, our, in our brains, right? But the, those endorphins that we release are are the same as, as doing drugs, just at a lesser degree, but they're the same. So you become an addict to these things. Mm-hmm. And in, it, social media is so, we could talk about social media for seven seven episodes here because social <laughs> media is, is, is intense. But going to social media and going back to kids, kids are brought up off. So our generations wasn't a social media generation, right? Not even me. Like I'm 31, but social media started in my generation, but I wasn't born into it. I knew what life was before social media. The kids born these days are born into social media. That's all they've known. They don't know what it is before. So that is their depiction Right. That's that's all they social media is all they know. So to them, that is the form of communication and that is community. Yeah. Yeah. We cannot we can we can't expect them to think like us because just like I can't relate to someone born in the 50s and that that thought process, they can. This That relationship is not there. Right. But, but I feel and maybe it's mm-hmm. me being an old head. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like the social media community, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it's 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 not healthy. It isn't. Because if you think about it, a lot of a lot of stuff that kind of thrives is is negative in nature. Because we've applied negative. We apply. So we, we technically we applied both, right? But I'm sure you've heard the statement: "Good publicity or bad publicity is still publicity." Right. So it's just the idea of publicity is we they just want publicity, right? And also the people that kids look up to in days are social media influencers. That that's what's popular. People want to be seen. People want to be heard. We want to feel like the main protagonist in our story. And that's what social media gives you. 
So you could be your own superhero. You could be your own superhero. It's the idea that when you go out, everyone's looking at me. Everyone cares about what I do when majority of the time it's proven that nobody, nobody cares. Nobody cares, brother. Nobody cares. I'm telling you that right now, nobody gives nobody gives a crap. Nobody cares. Everyone's so busy in their lives. But social media transcends that and gives you that that thought process of everybody cares. People are gonna care if I post if I look a certain way, if the filters like this, but no one's paying attention to those things except to you. Right. But going to the negative things, we we've apl- we've learned to applaud negativity. We've learned to applaud that shock and awe. And it's what we see. We were talking about earlier. Why now we're so desensitized to crime. We're just sensitized to, to, to seeing death on our, on a freaking six inch screen right in front of our face. When before you could have gone a whole lifetime and never saw a dead person. Right? Like the people in the forties, if you, unless you went to war or something like that, they could have gone their whole life and they never saw a dead person in their lives. But now you go on social media and Google the right thing. I mean, or like, or sometimes I even like, it, it just pops up, right? Yeah, like yeah. on TikTok, it'll just pop up. Uh, Twitter, or formerly known as Twitter X now, there's so much porn or just yeah, on your feed and it just yeah. pops up. Yeah. But we've become normalized to that. And what do kids want? Also, we're like venture off a little bit, but the new celebrities are social media influencers, right? Uh, yeah, there's athletes now. Mm-hmm. But all these social media guys are getting paid more than athletes. Yeah, these streamers, more eyes. Small. these streamers are getting paid ridiculous amounts of money. And the, the issue is, a lot of these popular streamers, what are they popular for? Negative things. So we think if we want to be like them, and again, I'm speaking about kids, if we want to be like them. I have to be controversial. I have to do certain things. So we've we've normalized being negative. That's why trolling is like. Yeah, and I was, I was about yeah. to get into that. It's almost like trolling is starting to be more normalized yeah like you know all right, if i want to get my point across i have to be as nasty as possible trolling is a new bullying trolling is literally bullying just through social media in a sense right it's still bullying it's it's how disrespectful how like you said how controversial what how bad can i say something that i probably wouldn't tell you tell you like in person over, 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 you know, over a tweet, over a Instagram post, over a TikTok. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. So if, you know, considering what you know now mm-hmm. and just kind of anticipating what's to happen in the next 10 years, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't imagine. Because yeah. I, I, I assume it's going to be far more immersive. You know, mm-hmm. you have meta, you can, yeah. You can be. VR, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea what to expect. You know, I have kids growing up. How do I, tra- how do I navigate this space? Well, we're becoming... We're, we're, we're losing, our, we're dehumanizing ourselves. We're, we're losing. And I understand adapting with the times. So it's normal. But we're losing the idea of 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 pods, of, of friendship, of groups, right? Yeah, social media is positive. It is positive. It brings people together from mm-hmm. different walks of life and that sort. But what I mean about dehumanizing is we're losing the idea of community. We are. We are. If you look at coffee bars, bars in general, they're dying. Think about the 60s, 70s, 80s. And I'm not saying those times were correct, but you could pull examples out of them where people be like, I'm going to my local pub, uh, like my local bar, and there's people there, there's community, right? I'm going to my bowling. I don't know, whatever it is. I'm going to go hang out. I'm going to hang out. Where do people hang out these days? There's nothing to hang out. That's why that... Those places are dying. Tell me what bar do you see? In Franchises, Flanagan's. Tell me what. <laughs> tell me what bars are open these days that you go to. 
they're, they're coffee places like Starbucks. That's it. Tell me like your local coffee place that you go to. I'm like, oh, this is my coffee place. I know everybody there. Uh, mom and pop's place that you go. Hey, I know the owner for 15 years. It's 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 not non-existent. We're losing that communal aspect because it's just translated to social media, right? Uh, and again, none of these things are negative, but it just happens, right? It's kids play online now. Yeah. It's normal. Nobody's outside riding their bicycles. Nobody's outside riding their bicycles. It's normal. Uh, all forms of communication are via text. We don't really talk on the phone as much. Right? There's, why, there's a reason why there's no minutes anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no nobody's minutes. using them. Nobody's using them. Nobody, yeah. nobody talks on the phone. We email. Someone could be next to you and they'll email you at work. Yeah. That's true. Because we also lost the, the, the identity of having a one-to-one. I think that's why podcasting is so popular these days because it, it brings back the we're having a conversation gotcha gotcha uh, it's touching something that we feel like we really need no we, we really we've need. lost it we've lost it we don't really talk we talk but we don't talk uh think about your friendship groups when was the last time you really sat down with a friend and really talked we we yeah. don't open up anymore which is why therapy is so important because therapy has just replaced what, what you would do with your friends back in the day Obviously, they're they're educated and, you know, they go to school for it. So they have other ways to navigate you through things. But that's, that's in general. That's, that's all it is. You open up to your therapist, but you won't open up to your friend. Why? Yeah. Why? We've lost we've lost that idea of my friends are there to help me and replaced it with my friends are there when I need them, when I need a good time. Uh, that's why we don't see a lot of long term friendships anymore. Especially like in young adults, young kids, we don't easily replaced. Um, we don't know how to fight. We don't know how to argue. Uh, we I also see that in, in relationships. May that be friendships or partnerships. Uh, I I I ask couples, how do you how do you fight? How do you argue? And it's always very interesting because what are the responses? Yeah. I think the general consensus that I get, and I, I've done this experiment with my friends and I ask them, how do you fight with your partner? And they say, well, let's say we're fighting over the dishes. Let's say the dishes. I bring my problems. I say, hey, I don't like that you do this. The other person debates their problem, right? And we just keep arguing and screaming and arguing until what? We give up. So one gives up. So one, one gives up or, or we just get tired of fighting. Mm. And what happens to that problem? It goes back into that rug that I was telling you about. Eventually, those problems add up, add up, add up. And then that's why when they end and you break up, you bring up stuff from three years ago. Instead of fighting should be, hey, off, off, off rip. Off the moment we start fighting, one of the first things that I, and I, you know, I'm still human, right? But it's one of the first things I always tell my partners is, how can we fix this? We're going to fight. The fight is going to happen. And it's, it's also taking away those emotions because your emotions are heightened, but it's given it a bit, let those emotions kind of pass. Now let's argue. It's really debate. Right, right, It's right. debate. So I'm cool with debate. Because debates, doesn't matter if you, there's no win or lose. Right, it's, right We're right. sharing emotions, right? right. Uh, I'd like to think of it as facts, but. It is, yeah. yeah. So it's, how can we fix what we're fighting about? And if we cannot come to resolution, then should we be arguing about this? But then there's still going to be. There is, there is, but there's other methods to that we're not arguing or debating at that point. Now we're just having a conversation. Okay. Now we're just having a conversation about what's going on. Another thing I tell people during arguments is, how did you process what I said? 
I I can get mad at something that you tell me right now and I'll be like, hey, I didn't like that you said X, Y, Z. I didn't like that you said my shirt was white because when you said that my shirt was white, it made me feel X, Y, Z. So it has to be a two-worded part. I didn't like what you said and I processed it, processed as you. I'm telling you what I thought that you told me right. because you know what you told me. Right. Do you know how you said it? I might be interpreting that the completely different way. Right, right. So you have to say how it feels and what you understood. Right. And then the other person has to say how it was intended. Correct. And, how, and then majority of the time that fixes the problem itself. Really? Yeah, automatically like, okay, I didn't mean like this. It's, I call it the, like the, you're speaking English, I'm speaking Chinese. We're speaking, we're both speaking, we just don't understand each other. Right, right, right. So that, but that takes awareness too, because at that level, there's heightened, heightened emotional states yeah. at that particular moment. So you have time. to separate. You have to, you have to take a moment to, hey, emotions, you're warning me. Something is going on. I'm not liking this, but we have to wait because the emotions only telling me to stop. It's not telling me the big picture. Because once I really deep know the full story or or somewhere in the story, and I go in, it's my grandmother cooking for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's 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 not you it's not you you know what i mean right, right, yeah. wow super interesting man yeah. super interesting so um so my question to you is this you know i i, I don't want to leave on a, on a no yeah we can a, leave on a more on positive note yeah, <laughs> but you know um what are pet peeves what what are your uh, uh psychological pet peeves okay i i don't know if it's a pet peeve i don't like how we diagnose people without without having no knowledge right like how we just throw diagnoses as either compliments or disses right oh yeah the whole bipolar thing right uh, you're, you're just bipolar or you're always so depressed and things like that while before knowing the full story i think we throw diagnoses at people too too quickly and i'd say and i say that too even people in my field i think we diagnose too fast but then that's that's the best way to kind of well we us as humans, we like to categorize things. We like to categorize. We need answers to problems. It's not. It's not so. It's not always so simple, right? It's not always so simple. Uh, so I, I don't like that we diagnose too fast. I also don't like the the rep that mental health gets. And what's that rep? And I'm going to speak from a hospital point of view, and then I'm going to I'm going to answer that. And I see this from from providers that we treat mental health patients as second. Second class citizens, they're three fourths human. It's the three fourth human law. Yeah, because um, they have a problem. Because they have a problem, and it's and it's not fixable through, through you know general medicine, right? It's uh, they we treat them because they have a mental health, or they might be having you know some type of breakdown. I could get away with something that I wouldn't do to to you. I, I could talk to them however I want to talk. I don't have to you know give you the same uh, customer service. Yeah, and then we do that. To people in, in, in the streets, to, to people that, that we meet, they're having a breakdown, some type of breakdown or anything, and it's we, we kind of push them away. It's lack of respect, I would say. It's a lack of respect. We don't see them as humans. Um, the We live in Miami. You see homeless people everywhere. A good part of homeless people are, are mental health patients. How do we treat them? We ignore them, right? We, we don't lower the window. We don't even look at them. We don't even make eye contact to, with them. So we just kind of... I'll push them away. Wow. Yeah. What is it that you hope? What is it that you hope for us as humans uh, to be better towards other humans? I think it starts within. I think we we need to learn how to speak kinder to each other. 
internally and externally. I think we've also confused the idea of being honest and being rude. I can be honest with you without being rude. And I think we've normalized the idea. I could be like, hey, I don't like your shirt because I just don't like it, you know, because whatever. I don't know. It's, it's, it comes off rude. Instead of processing, be like, hey, I don't like that you did this. It goes back to what I said because I process it like this or because I think it's detrimental to you. I think we we can be honest without having, you know, taking away that, that level of rudeness of dehumanizing what we're saying because social media has made us very, very comfortable saying things that we wouldn't say in person. That's for sure. Uh-huh. That's where the trolling comes in. That's where the trolling comes in, yeah. So uh, be better, nicer people and troll a little less. A troll a little less. Yeah. I think I think we are all created as good. I think every single human, I will die. That's like one of my beliefs, course beliefs is we are all born good. This happens along the way. The that, evil comes? That the bad comes, yeah. Oh. It's what we learn as kids that no kid is born bad. Think about it. Anything, any, anytime you see a kid that maybe you don't agree with, like a child, they learn that from who? From someone. But put two kids together, different races, different skin colors. They're hanging out. They're hanging out. Because we, we love. Humans are, are creatures of love. May you be religious or not, you know, we are created by love, right? Uh, and I, I'm a strong believer in that love transcends everything. Not to get, like, too hippie or anything, but <laughs> love transcends everything. But I think if we're kinder to ourselves, we'll be kinder to others. And I think if an act of kindness goes a long, long way. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. We just need a little bit more love in this in this world. Yeah. 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 I'm going to start giving some love, some more love out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate you uh, bestowing upon us more knowledge. Of course. You know, um, I think that was pretty deep. You yeah, know, you. Um, would you like to let anybody know? Um, yeah. Uh, again, my name is Eddie Ramirez. Uh, I'm a PM at HMP. Uh, my handle is Eddie Ramirez, E-D-D-Y-R-M-I-R-E-Z. It's my personal account. Like I said before, you're going to see a bunch of selfies. You're going to see a bunch of my life. It's it's not really a, like a professional page or anything, but if you ever have any questions, anybody out there has any questions or ever needs help, uh, I'm just a DM away, and uh, I'll do my best to, uh, to guide you to some help. And if you ever need help, there's hotlines out there. And just remember that there are people out there who – who do love you and who do want to hear you. Uh, you're, there's always someone out there. Hey, we're sending love. We're yeah. sending love. You guys have a good one. Thanks, Eddie. Hey, of course. You're the man, baby. Appreciate it, brother. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you. All right. You guys have a good one. Like, Take subscribe, care. comment, whatever have you. Be well. Be well.